very good <clears throat> morning to each and every one of you. I've been here since Tuesday, and uh, as I was going around uh, the Bay Area, I noticed that there was mention of Valentine's Day everywhere. It's not big in our country. Uh, we don't see much there. But over here, I could uh, sense and feel the pressure that young people must be under when it comes to Valentine's Day, having to have a Valentine or a date. And I was thinking about the pressures that the world brings on us. Not only young people, but adults as well. We have pressure where the world wants to mold us in its way. Satan wants to take us away from God's way and bring us to his way of doing things. And I thought that this morning we will look into the Bible and see a Bible character who had to absorb this pressure and how he reacted to it. And so we are going to uh, look at Daniel chapter 1, and I'll ask Dean to read the first seven verses, please. <laughs> Daniel chapter 1, the first seven. Daniel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacy and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those, the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, and to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Thank you, Dean. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul wrote, be not conformed to this world. <clears throat> now, uh, what is happening in the world today is that uh, Satan, who is the god of the world here below, he's scheming to get you integrated into the way he wants you to be. But like Daniel, we have to make sure that we detect and we resist the molding methods that Satan employs. Now when Daniel arrived in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar put him under a three-year training program. 
where he wanted to mold Daniel into the way that the Babylonians live in. And that's what we are going to initially look at, how Daniel re uh, reacted to Nebuchadnezzar's trying to train him. Firstly, I want you to notice this. Daniel would have had God-fearing parents because they had named their son Daniel. And Daniel means God will judge. So what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Well, we see that uh, the leader of his program in verse 3 uh, is a man by the name of Ashpanas, and he was the master of the eunuchs. And well, what was the first thing that he did? He changed Daniel's name. Uh, notice in verse 7, he gave him the name of Belshazzar, meaning Prince of Bel. That was one of the Babylonian gods, Bel. So the first thing they did to Daniel, they changed his name that his godly parents had given him to a name that reflected more of what their god was all about. Now I want you to notice this. The devil, he continues to employ this same tactic today. If he can work things so people do not identify you as a Christian uh, at your school or at your workplace, Satan would have achieved much success. Make it your goal to let everybody know that you are a believer, that you are a Christian. In the first week itself, when you join a new workplace or when you join a school, uh, make sure that you live Christ out before them so that they have no doubt who you are, what you believe in. Nebuchadnezzar, the first thing he wanted to do, he wanted to change Daniel so that his Christian heritage was no longer there. Then I want you to notice, secondly, in verse 4, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, uh, the second tactic was the king gave the order to teach him the tongue of the Chaldeans. The tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, the world today wants you to speak, text, email, Facebook, tweet, just like they do. Even believers find themselves using uh, slang, symbols, and these are sometimes against the te teaching of Scripture. For example, I have noted <clears throat> that uh, they use the initials OMG, uh, which means, oh my God. Now, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, God gives a very clear command in which, uh, can we have Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 up, please? And it says there that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, uh, but what is happening in the world today is that God's name is being used in vain. So when they were trying to teach Daniel the tongue of the Chaldeans, they were trying to reverse God's order and God's teaching. Watch out for words that sound similar and are really substitutes for vulgar, irreverent, or indecent words. Uh, these are subtle attempts to make you sound like everybody else in the world today. 
the same tactic was employed by Nebuchadnezzar, the tongue of the Chaldeans, make sure that we don't uh, fall for that scheme today. Then I want you to notice next, in verse 5, the king ordered that he should eat a Babylonian diet. Okay, far beyond having him just taste these lavish kebabs and uh, things like that, uh, Daniel's appetite was to be the same as what the uh, Babylonians were enjoying, uh, whatever the Babylonian young people were doing. You see, here's the thing. If a young person develops a taste for what others around them find fun and pleasurable, soon there will be little difference between them. And uh, so we have to make sure that we monitor uh, what we do, what we enjoy. Is there a difference between what you listen to, what you watch, where you go, what you do in your free time between the people in the world and between those of us who are Christians? The king ordered a Babylonian diet for Daniel because he wanted to mold him the way their world was working. Then I also want you to notice next that Daniel also had to read literature of Babylon. It tells us in verse 4, teach the learning of the Chaldeans. You see, why? Why did he have to read the learning uh, or the literature of the Babylonians because you see their literature would have reflected the values and beliefs of their godless society and so he wanted to make sure that Daniel also believed the same things that they did but what Daniel did was that when he was reading their literature he would have constantly been sifting out of his mind things that were against scripture what was not in the bible he would have been removing it out of his mind be careful when you read things that you don't allow it to affect your thinking if it's going against god's word it may be necessary to read a book or a textbook to watch a video uh, powerpoint presentations various things but the key is this to filter out anything that goes against the word of God. Anything that goes against the Bible. And then, I want you to notice lastly, that they tried to Babylonianize Daniel by the lure of luxury. By the lure of luxury. What they did was they brought him into the king's palace. They gave him the best of everything. Everything that... Uh, the word luxury would symbolize in those days. He was offered the high life of the palace, uh, and all this was to, intended to spoil him for God. Nothing has changed today. It was to spoil him and make him so comfortable and acclimatized that he would want these trappings of luxury and that his principles would go away. So... <clears throat> God tells us, be not conformed to the world. What did they do? They changed his name so that he would not have a Christian name. They taught him the tongue of the Chaldeans. They ordered him to eat a Babylonian diet. They got him to read the literature of Babylon. 
and then they lured him by luxury. How did Daniel overcome all this? How did Daniel overcome all this? And the same will apply to us because we can put these same principles uh, to use in our life today, whether we are young or old, uh, whatever the circumstances, you know, the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what did Daniel do? <clears throat> well, firstly, in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, I want you to notice this. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I want you to think very carefully about this. You see, <clears throat> his conviction was biblical. In Leviticus 11, it prohibited him from eating meats from unclean animals. He knew this. In Exodus 34, it prohibited him from eating anything that had been sacrificed to a foreign god. And so Daniel's conviction was not based on tradition. His conviction was not based on emotion or family pressure. His conviction was based solely upon the word of God. And so he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. <coughs> Secondly, I want you to notice this. Prayer. Now, one of the first crises that came upon Daniel was when he was called upon to interpret the emperor's dream. Now, you all know the story. There is no need to read it. Uh, how all the local prophets or seers came and they were unable to interpret the dream. Uh, and then they came to Daniel to interpret the dream. And one of the things that Daniel did, the first things he did, was that he went to seek God's help in prayer. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, you will be able to see that this was a regular thing that Daniel did, not just a one-off thing. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6, uh, verse 10, he went into his uh, house, into his chamber, he kneeled and he prayed, and then at the end of the verse there, he tells us just like he did aforetime. He was always doing it. Now, we were talking earlier in the Bible memory class that there's always things that will come along to stop us when we, it's time to read the Bible, when it's time to pray, the phone will ring, the dog will bark, and whatever will happen. <coughs> but make sure that just like Daniel did, the first problem that he faced, immediately he went to God in prayer you also make sure that you have a regular prayer life. Make sure that you are speaking to God, communicating with him, telling him all your problems. That is one of the ways to escape the world trying to mold you the way it wants to mold you. Then I want you to notice uh, that Daniel employed a third method to overcome Nebuchadnezzar's wiles. And this is found in Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. Daniel took every opportunity uh, to speak to others about his God. Now, uh, in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 28, you will see that when he was talking to the king, he told him 
about his God in heaven who could interpret his dream. He was telling, speaking about his God to the king. You see, usually the best defense is a good offense. And from the beginning of every day, every class you go to, every uh, work day at your office, uh, seek to talk about your God. Seek to talk about the Bible. Uh, evangelism will be a significant preservative for us. Uh, even if sometimes there may be mockery or persecution because you're a Christian, if you make sure that everyone knows that you're a Christian, it will help you in your battle to not be conformed to this world. Then I want you to notice, <clears throat> so firstly, he purposed in his heart, then he went to God in prayer, then he spoke to others about his God, and then fourthly, he overcome Nebuchadnezzar's wiles by making sure he had good Christian friends. Uh, in Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it tells us that he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed, the Bible tells us. Daniel, he lived this principle, surrounding himself with others who shared the same interests, same convictions, same goals. Who are your friends? Whom do you spend most of your time with? Is it with those who have the same convictions, goals, those who love God? Uh, let's read um, Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And there it tells us that Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, that he went to his house uh, and he made things known to his friends, and it uses the word his companions. Who were his companions? They were all children of God. So let us make sure that we keep those who are friends because your friends will have a great impact on your spiritual survival, your success, while you may have to work on uh, together in projects and study groups, uh, a Christian will be benefited greatly by surrounding himself with friends who are not only Christians, but who are believers that share the same values as himself or herself. You can be accountable to each other, and this will greatly help you in your Christian walk. <clears throat> so, Daniel, uh, this is how he was able to overcome Satan's wiles. This is a, how he was able to overcome uh, Nebuchadnezzar, trying to mold him into the ways of the Babylonian Empire. And even as this Valentine season is around and we see the ways of the world all around us, my prayer is that those especially who are younger uh, will be able to see that Satan is trying to mold you uh, to conform with the world and to make sure that you do not do it. Next, I want to look at the other three uh, who were there with Daniel uh, that was mentioned in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 7. Uh, which Dean read to us, we saw that not only was Daniel there, 
but there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they coped uh, with what was happening during Nebuchadnezzar's time. Dean, could you very kindly please read to us Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, please. Daniel chapter 1, excuse me, Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall bow down and worship the gold image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So that at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, Certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Then there are there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. <clears throat> the first thing that <clears throat> I noticed when I read this portion was that Daniel was not mentioned. Now, um, his absent, absence is unexplained, uh, but given his track record, <clears throat> I do not think he would have buckled under the threat of the king. But to their great credit, his three friends remained firm even during his absence. He was their mentor. He, they were under his influence. When he needed to pray, he went and joined the three of them and they prayed together. But now Daniel was absent when they are facing this great trial. How would they respond? Uh, 
they weren't like Lot. He, when he was separated from Abraham, Lot's spiritual life completely deteriorated. Do you remember Jehoiada, the high priest? Uh, when he died, the promising Joash, he collapsed under the new influences that he came under. <clears throat> but unlike these people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not collapse under the pressure when Daniel was not there. <clears throat> now I want you to notice that in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 38, uh, when Daniel was interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he told him this, Thou art this head of gold. This was part of Daniel's interpretation of the dream in Daniel 2.38. And this seemed to have inflated the king's ego. So what did he do? Uh, he, he ignored the fact that there was a God of heaven who had given him his kingdom. Uh, you can see that in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 37, uh, he ignored the fact that there was a, uh, a God above who had given him the kingdom. And what did he do? He erected a colossal golden image. Very probably, uh, the Bible does not say this, but very probably it may have been even a statue of himself. Uh, it was a monument that displayed great pride uh, and would ultimately see him swaggering around Babylon and he was saying, this great Babylon that I have built. What is the point that I'm getting to? It's about pride. Pride. That's a huge problem that affects mankind. It is one of the great sins that God hates. Sometimes when I'm speaking, I ask you all a question so that the Bible students among you would have a chance to answer. And here's my question today. Do you know where in the Bible the seven things that God hates is mentioned? If you know the answer, raise your hand up. The seven things that God hates and pride is number one on the list. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay, yes, very good. Proverbs, yes. Proverbs chapter 6. Okay, very good. Let's have a look at it. Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 to 19. The seven things that God hates and pride is right there, the first thing on the list. And here was Nebuchadnezzar displaying it all. <clears throat> so, uh, these are the seven things uh, that the Lord hates, and they are an abomination to him. And verse 17 says, here's number one, a proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Next verse, number four, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Number five, feet that be swift in running to mischief. And then number six, a false witness that speaketh lies. And number seven, he that soweth discord among brethren. These are things that God hates. And right there at the top of it, 
its pride. So let us make sure that just like Nebuchadnezzar displayed this great pride, uh, let us be on our guard against it. Because, you know, all of us achieve things in our life, and when you achieve something in your life, great success in education, great success in your workplace, automatically pride comes into your heart. The good king Uzziah, he was dis uh, marvelously helped till he was strong, the Bible tells us. And then what did the Bible say next? Then his heart was lifted up. Puffed up is what the Corinthian says. Uh, and if God has been good and has allowed us to have great success in our life in secular affairs or in Christian service, let us strive to remain humble. Uh, because as you know, I'm sure you all know this, the Bible says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Mm. And so Nebuchadnezzar, in all his great uh, pride that he was feeling, he erected this colossal golden statue and wanted everybody to bow down before it. Okay, going back to Daniel chapter 3 and verse 2. So they, verse 1, they had built the golden statue. And then uh, I want you to notice next, Daniel 3 and verse 2, uh, who were the people who attended the opening ceremony of this statue? Okay, have a very close look at this. Uh, all kinds of dignitaries are present there. Uh, princes, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, it's all, they're all there, okay? Only the elite were present. So you may ask me, where is the lesson in this? Well, here it is. You see, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in this group of elite people because they had been promoted to this post. How did they get promoted to this post? Well, I'll tell you. It was Daniel who had arranged for their promotion. Have a look at uh, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 49. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 49. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. You see, we must be careful whom we introduce uh, into, uh, because we can be introducing people into areas of danger. Do you think that if Daniel knew that by going and asking the king and getting a promotion for his three friends, that he would put them into this area of danger where they had to bow down to this idol, and then if they didn't bow down to the idol, they would be thrown into the uh, furnace, would he have asked for the promotion? No, probably not. So we have to be very careful uh, whom we introduce what to. Sometimes we could introduce our friends to the wrong thing for them. Now, there's another example uh, that I want to give you, uh, but I'll make it a question. Do you remember uh, the Apostle Peter and how he denied the Lord three times? So when he was... Uh, uh, in uh, when he was denying the Lord three times, he was in the um, high priest's palace. Who introduced P 
Peter or took him into this palace that caused him to do this sin and deny the Lord three times. Okay, Dean. John, okay, uh, we'll have a look at that. Any other comments? Anybody else? Who introduced Peter into this area of great danger where he fell into sin and he denied the Lord three times? Any other answers? Okay, let's have a look at it. John chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. <clears throat> The reason I didn't say whether that was right or wrong is because there's no name given there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Dean is probably quite right. Uh, John chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. Could you read that, Dean, if you don't mind? John chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. John chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Thank you. So you notice there in verse 16 that this other disciple who knew the high priest went in and spoke and then introduced Peter in. You see, otherwise Peter couldn't have got into this situation where he was forced to deny the Lord three times. And then you see he denied it to this damsel. And then uh, later on in verse uh, 25, Again, he denied, and then uh, verse 26, uh, one more time, he was asked, and again, he denied him. And then verse uh, 27 tells us that the cock began to crow. So you see, Peter also was introduced by another disciple, obviously a disciple because must have loved the Lord, but unwittingly they introduced Peter into an area of where he was led to... Uh, um, deny the Lord. <clears throat> so let us be careful whom we unwittingly introduce others to areas of spiritual danger. You see, the reason that I'm saying this is this. Saints in management positions are often exposed to dangers that others avoid. They may come under pressure to compromise principle of, principles of honesty, of justice, uh, extra demands on their time can uh, affect their commitment to church where you are unable to regularly commit yourself. There may be situations at work where you are there when alcohol is being consumed freely or a position of authority sometimes can produce an overbearing attitude towards others if you are very high up. And thus, when you are in a promoted post or you are high up in an organization, you need to remain vigilant because these have their own dangers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a promoted post and that led them to great danger because when they were with the elite, all the top of the land, they were forced to comply with what Nebuchadnezzar did, uh, said to them, but they did not do it, thankfully. 
Then next, I want you to notice this. Going back to uh, Daniel chapter 3 and verse, uh, we'll come to verse 5. I want you to notice here the subtlety of Satan. You see, uh, Nebuchadnezzar instigated a two-pronged attack to induce the people to worship this golden image. Firstly, there was the threat of the fiery furnace. And then, the appeal of music. You see, music has a very powerful influence on the emotions. And national anthems, they are meant to stir patriotism. Then uh, you have military bands. Military bands are there to incite courage into the soldier. <clears throat> then you have freedom movements. Soccer supporters, they all have their own songs to guide their teams into uh, doing better. You see, uh, apparently many of today's songs incite immorality, drug abuse, perversion, violence. And with these tiny gadgets in the ears, you know, the earphones, uh, no one need to know what your taste in music is. So this is an appeal to all those young that are here today uh, to be very careful about the lyrics and the beats that you listen to. Uh, music is a very powerful medium and it can lead you into sin. Nebuchadnezzar used music to get the people to bow down to his golden image. <clears throat> Next, I want you to notice this, that in um, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12, that there were some uh, people that went and reported to Nebuchadnezzar that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not bowing down to the idols. Now, uh, this was like a compliment to them. If you read the verse carefully, Daniel 3 verse 12, you will see that it says uh, that these men, uh, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not their gods, nor worship the golden image. So it wasn't only about the golden image that they were complaining. Before that, they said they serve not their gods. So it means that even before this, people knew about their testimony. Not just on that day only. They were consistent in their life. <clears throat> you remember that we uh, said about how Daniel, uh, a four time, just like he did, he went to pray. They were, he was always praying. And it means Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a consistent testimony. And so when this emergency situation came, they continued their normal behavior. Let us also be those who are Christians that are consistent in our Christian testimony. Amen. Not just for when you come to church on a Sunday, but when you go out uh, into the world, you're acting a little different. When you come here uh, for Adel to hear, you say all the right words to him and he's impressed. But when you go out, you're doing something different. Don't be like that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were consistent in their testimony. Next, I want you to notice this. In verse 13, Daniel chapter 3, verse 13, 
two words I want you to notice very carefully, and the two words are rage and fury. Rage and fury. You see, <clears throat> what was the king's reaction? Rage and fury. And what did this give rise to? It gave rise to throwing them into the furnace. Now, the Lord Jesus also made the connection between anger and murder. Uh, the link is as old as time. You see, when you have rage and fury, when you get angry, here's the point, it leads you to sin. Don't get angry. Because when you get angry, the next step is you're going to do something wrong. Let me give you an example. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 to 8, and verse 5, But unto Cain and to his offerings he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. You could see that he was angry. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? Uh, and then uh, we'll move on to verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his uh, brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. You see that? How he was wroth. His countenance fell. Rage, fury, anger. Next thing, sin. Do you get angry at home? Do you get angry at work or school or against your loved ones? Don't get angry. Because the next thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to sin. You're going to go against God's word. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, it tells us this. Be ye angry and sin not. Be ye angry and sin not. Don't be angry. Don't fall into sin. Nebuchadnezzar. Fury and rage. Next thing, he threw him into the furnace. Then uh, let us move on next to uh, verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20. Now, the furious threats of the emperor uh, did not, sorry, chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, the furious threats of the emperor uh, did not intimidate the three of them. Their trust was in the living God, uh, and in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Our God is able. These are the words that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego used. God was able to deliver them. They believed it in their heart. When they were facing a moment of great stress, they were about to be thrown into this burning furnace. Perhaps we may react differently and we may suddenly become nervous wrecks or whatnot. But they did not. They were firm in their belief. They said that their God is able. Amen. Now, our God is able, but here's the point. But was it his will to deliver them? I know that we all think positively and we all say, God will help me through this situation, this problem that I'm facing in my life. But is it God's will to actually 
remove you from this situation. You see, um, in the Bible, we see a good man like Stephen. He was a great man of God, but he was smarted. Why was it not God's will to save him, to preserve him? It tells us that at Stephen's funeral, the Bible tells us that many great men made lamentations for him. He was such a great man of God. But why did not God save him? In a, a single chapter, we read how James, the Apostle James, was one of the first to be slain, martyred. But we read that Philip, he was rescued and he survived for many years. Why is that? Why was Stephen, uh, why was James's life short, but Philip's life long? Why does God do that? Could not God have intervened for Stephen and James? Of course he could have, if he wanted it, if it was his will. Shadrach and Meshach uh, and Abednego understood that because the following verse, verse 18, Daniel chapter 3, verse 18, it starts like this. They continue talking and they say, but if not, that means he's able to save us. The previous verse is what they said. But then the following verse, they said, but if not, if he chooses not to save us, well, it's okay. Amen. He wants us to go through this suffering. So remember this. God will not always rescue you out of your predicament or whatever. It may be his will that you go through whatever suffering that uh, he wants you to go through. We do not understand why, because he is God, he is sovereign. He does not have to give us a reason. It is all up to himself. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they understood that. Yeah. Our God is able, but if not, we will still go through with it. And so what happened? Well, uh, uh, we don't need to go through that because you all know this story very well. They went into the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he suddenly saw four people. And God came and rescued them. They came out, and not a hair on their body or anything was hurt. Uh, God preserved them. There is a verse in Isaiah 43, verse 2. Isaiah 43, verse 2. With this I will close because I've gone past my time. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. The three Hebrew youths, Shadrach, Misha, and Abednego, they experienced this. Divine presence was a reality. Remember what Peter said? He cares for you. <clears throat> so you see, all of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a powerful incentive to live contented Christian lives because despite the hardships that you face and the trials, he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so... Uh, let us go away encouraged. Uh, I would like us to go away to remember that the world is trying to get us to conform to its ways. Let us make sure that we don't conform to the ways of the world. Let us stand fast like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God will give us victory like he gave them, and he took them through the furnace. Amen. Thank you, and may God bless you. Let's close in prayer.
Our Father, we thank thee for this opportunity that thou hast given for us to uh, look into thy scripture. We thank thee, our Father, that everything that thou hast given in our scripture in the Bible is for our learning. Even though these were written hundreds of years ago, we thank thee that these are still applicable in our lives. We pray, our Father, that we would apply them to our life, that we would uh, be those that obey the word of God and that thou would bring great blessing on those who follow this. So part us now with thy blessings. We ask this in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.